We are now live with Buckeye Bombast with Bellhaven and the boy. Another exciting episode. Every episode is a by the seat of your pants episode. Especially since we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. All right. So where shall we begin? Well, I figured uh, there were a few things on the docket today, right? The recap of the couple of the bigger games uh, this weekend, previewing the Ohio State game. And, you know, of course, I, I found the article, you know, about the uh, the Michigan fans. So I'm excited to discuss that. What, what article is that? Uh, about our, uh, you know... The Michigan fan segment that we do, it's the uh, article about the last, um, this past year, Michigan fans complaining after uh, Ohio Ohio State, you know, won the Rose Bowl, and then they thought we were going to be worse this year, and then, of course, we're, you know, better than we were last year. (laughs) That's because they don't understand football, which is par for the course for Michigan and their fans. Uh, they don't understand football um so you know going back to the adorable michigan fan you know at the beginning of the year right and i I don't know if you remember me telling you this but you know he was waxing poetic about you know all the media uh outlets had chosen michigan to win the big 10 um i kind of laughed and and uh and he asked me if i knew why that was and i'm like well (laughs) Um, yeah, we don't have Urban Meyer anymore, right? I mean, for me, it was simple. There could be no other reason uh, why they would pick Michigan. There's nothing that's happened in the recent past, um, and that's a big thing, right? One of the best coaches of all time d- decides to step down. And so clearly, that's got to be the reason. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, they, got a, they, they got a new quarterback, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> like, okay. Um, I said, Dwayne Haskins was a new quarterback last year. I said, aside from that, you know, while Urban Meyer's there, they've had Braxton Miller, um, J.D. Barrett, uh, Dwayne Haskins. They've had several quarterbacks that started during that time. Not once has Michigan been able to beat them. So, I'm like, yeah. no, that's I'm like, no, that's not it, right? Um, it's clearly uh, because Urban's gone. There can be no other reason why they would pick Michigan, right? It just goes to the point they they don't understand football. You know, they they really don't. Um, I'll just go through it right now because it's really funny. So this uh, was an article by Eleven Warriors, and this was uh, kind of you know Michigan fans, you know, kind of going through, you know, their pit of turmoil as they watch, you know, Ohio State thump Nebraska. And so uh, I'll just kind of read through some of the comments. So like, it starts off, not long after uh, Ohio State corner Jeff Akuda intercepted Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez on the Cornhuskers opening drive, one Michigan man wondered where the Buckeyes find their cornerbacks. How the hell does Ohio State keep reloading these first-round cornerbacks? <laughs> Roby, Apple, Ward, Lattimore, and now Akuda looks like a lockdown too. He was quickly set straight. It's called putting effort in, in recruiting the best players. And then um, the Buckeyes go up to a 7-0 early lead, and then there's a – it's a joke that Fields is eligible this year. <laughs> and then and then reason prevailed. Shea Patterson is a thing that exists. It's bullshit that our transfer QB had to sit, and theirs gets to play immediately. Oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ohio State goes up 14 nothing. Watching OSU, they just look far and away better than us. I'm not sure how they can plug and play any QB while we aren't able to find one. And then astute observations. I know the talk of OSU has been their offense, but their D has been playing elite much better than last year. <laughs> and then it goes, more despair. Not sure OSU will be challenged this season before the playoffs. Maybe Wisconsin, maybe Penn State. Maybe in Michigan playing out of their minds, not confident in any of that. <laughs> and then this, <laughs> this, one's, this one's really good. Akuta Hall's the second interception. 
<laughs> what the actual F was that? OSU is an effing machine, and it's not even fair. <laughs> 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 and then Ohio State goes up 24 nothing, and then Michigan man says, OSU is just insanely good. I'm not looking forward to that game. Feels like it won't be much of a game. After the Master Teague touchdown, uh, you know, they're kind of saying how Teague is a, is a beast. Yeah. Uh, and then especially if you look at OSU's long run plans, it's run, run plays, it's almost always because they have their receivers making ongoing effective blocks downfield. The attention right. to detail on this team is amazing. Um, yeah. And then. Well, yeah. And in, 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 into that point, right. Um, you look at the offense, it's the same offensive staff, right. And that offense was incredible last year. Uh, they have pretty much the same offensive staff. They basically got lucky in a sense with that whole Zach Smith thing, because I was saying the whole time that that guy was there, that they needed to get rid of him. You know, yeah. uh, it was unfortunate that it took that type of scenario to get rid of that idiot, but he was, he was not a good coach. Uh, I, I, yeah. I just never thought he was, you know, the year they won the national championship. I just think that they had, a lot of senior leadership who had been there, done that. They knew their roles. They knew what they needed to do. I think they, they were a good recruiting or a good receiving core in spite of him. Um, and then they bring in Heartline and he's been very good. So they had a great offensive staff, right? So, you know, right. going back to this idea that, uh, oh yeah, Michigan just by default is going to win the conference now. Uh, no, I, you have the same offensive staff there. Uh, they're, they, they've, they've jettisoned the, the defensive staff, brought in some key people who everybody would agree are um, top coaches in their field, right? You know, so how could it not be plug and play? If you look at what they were returning um, on both sides, the defense, they were basically returning the whole defense. Right. So even if Shano and that crew were still there, they would have been better. They would have been better by default. They wouldn't have been this good because I think Shana's scheme just wasn't the scheme they needed um, at that, you know, at, at Ohio State. Maybe in the NFL, maybe somewhere else, but that just it wasn't wasn't the right scheme. But returning all of those players who were four and five star recruits who were very good, it was going to be better. And then offensively. They lost some receivers, but they were still basically returning um, their tight ends. They were returning key people on the offensive line. Um, people, even though they lost some starters, they were returning some people on the offensive line who had played quite a bit last year. You know, they had receivers like Alave, um, KJ Hill, Benjamin Victor that they were returning. And Justin Fields, <laughs> It's not like he was uh, some schlep that they drag, drug off the street. Right. He was the absolute number one recruit, I believe, that year going into Georgia and had some game time experience um, on a decent team in a decent conference, right? You know, so you bring him in, you, you, you got him for the better part of the year to learn the playbook and whatnot. Um, the, in, in those first few games, it's not like they're really going to be challenged. You know, even even if they weren't as great as they turned out to be, they were like stepping stones. So you had a real a five star recruit stepping into an offense and an offensive staff that were experienced and knew their thing, right? Um, even if he had more growing pains at the beginning against Florida Atlantic and UC and um, Miami, right? They were still going to win those games. He was going to get better and better and better. So uh, it's, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how, I, I really think, you know, if I, if I kind of think about that article and the way you just read it, it, it just, it, it felt like Urban Meyer was gone. This is our time now. Oh my God. No, it's not. Well, <laughs> and what, that, is, what is it going to take now? Right, and that's actually one of the uh, comments. It was like, uh, just hope Ryan Day goes back to the NFL after the season. Our only hope literally just comes from hoping OSU's current coach leaves. It never works. <laughs> 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 um, 
Uh, but there's a there's a a couple of other really good ones really quick. Uh, kind of like at the end of the game, it says more reckoning, and then this quote says, "OSU just looks unstoppable. Almost everything they do works and works well. They have an answer for everything you try to do. They adjust on the fly very well. Their coaching ability is evident. The talent is evident." Meanwhile, Michigan looks pretty much the opposite against any team with a pulse. And I don't mean this is to insult our players, but it seems like the coaches are spending too much too much time trying to polish turds into diamonds instead of recruiting better players and developing them. <laughs> well, but part of their problem is the unreal expectations that they always have, right? I mean, go back to Harbaugh. Well, first, no, let's go back to Urban Meyer, right? Um I don't know if you remember the Urban Meyer hire when it happened. It basically happened just after, I think it was just after the Michigan game that year, right? A, a game which Ohio yeah. State almost won, even though they ended up with a losing record that year. They still almost beat Michigan. Um, but I remember Urban Meyer gets hired, and my thinking was, all right, this is great. I didn't, you know step out the next day and start bragging to everybody that we were going to win umpteen national championships and, you know, so on and so forth. Did I feel like it was possible? Yeah. I mean, here we have a, a coach at that point in time, had two national championships already, was successful everywhere he went. So there was hope. I was like, okay, this is good. We, you know, we lost Trestle. We got Urban Meyer. Um, we're still going to be a good team. And, yeah, I think we might might be able to win a national championship, you know? That was my thinking. The day Harbaugh gets hired, they're all out there parading around talking about, oh, that's it, world domination now. You know, <laughs> we're going to dominate Ohio State. We're going to win all of these national championships. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, why don't you, you know, go through the same process of, you know, being hopeful and whatnot and, you know, and, and, and be happy that you got a good coach and no. They had to jump right into um, that lofty expectation that they were going to win all these national championships and then come into this year, right? You know, adorable Michigan fan. He was so thrilled that Josh Gaddis was going to be their offensive coach. And that was it. I mean, this was before the season even started. He was convinced. He was convinced that their offense was going to be so good that they were just going to be blowing everybody out of the water, right? And, uh, you know, this was just such a, a wonderful thing. And he set that expectation so high, and this is what happens, right? They, they do that all the time. They set these expectations so incredibly high, not even really thinking about it or knowing what's possible or not. And then when things don't quite work out, that way then you know you get these conversations like you just read right yeah i agree with that uh there is one last comment i wanted to read real quick because it definitely is the best <laughs> uh, so uh this here michigan fan says what pisses me off is they were supposed to fall down to earth those bastards went 13 and 1 last year won the big and the rose bowl their idiot fans complained like they were 8 and 4 because the d sucked they went 13 and effing one. The D now looks like the 85 Bears, and the first-time head coach looks like Dabo. The damn QB who was supposed to struggle with accuracy is a damn monster. They replaced four starters on the offensive line, and they absolutely maul people. I'm crestfallen over this shit. I hate them so <laughs> <All> damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hate them so damn much. Shockingly, Madison is still elite when given NFL guys at every position. <laughs> Leave it to a Michigan fan to to throw in big words to you know to make their idiocy, you know, sound <laughs> relatively smart. Um, oh, so again, I mean, think about that. They don't think about football. You know, they, they, they think very discreetly. Oh, they lost Ruben Meyer. Oh, we got Josh Gaddis. Therefore, right. That right. That's, you know, that's their type of pretzel logic. They don't really look at things, right? Oh, well, um, what does Ohio State have coming back? What's their schedule look like, right? Um, don't think about those things. If you would have, if they would have thought about it objectively, you know, hey, I'm a Michigan fan. Uh, I look at my defense. I've lost 69% of my defensive production. Um, 
I've got a new offensive coordinator coming in that never has never called his own plays before. Um, he's coming in to play for a coach who really, truly wants to play offense like he is Bo Beckler, right? I mean, those three things very superficially, right? Just look at those three things. And how can you even set those lofty expectations, right? right. Um you know, back to the comment about the defense, that defense was trash. And frankly, we were close to being, you know, at least a two-loss team, um, potentially more. Uh, you know, it's just that the offense was so good that we were able to overcome that flaw. But it was historically bad, right? And that's what we were complaining about, is that we as fans hadn't seen that in a long, long time. Right. And it's just, uh, it, it really is funny. And I, I like there's a point made by uh, Joel Klatt, I forget, a couple weeks ago. I remember watching him, and he, he was saying, you know, in terms of these rivalry games, you know, we're expecting, you know, Mich- Michigan to be playing at this level that Ohio State's at. And Ohio State, you know, is at this, is moving, you know, like a tremendous machine right now. I mean, over the past, was it seven years in a row they've won over 11 games? And, and throughout their history, you know, they've only done it like 11 times total, mm-hmm. something like that. And so, I mean, it's been an amazing decade for Ohio State. It really has. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. It, well, it's been, I mean, a, frankly, an amazing 20 years, really. 25 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah if you and, look at the 96. 97, 98 seasons, those were all really good, strong seasons. A couple bad ones there between that. And then Trestle comes in. He only had himself one bad year. Well, one and a half, right? 2004 started out as a struggle and ended, ended on a high note. Um, but, yeah, even through the Trestle years, you know, all very good. Um, frankly, if you if you – if we would have had a playoff uh, in the Trestle years, right, this 14 playoff, um, I can think of a couple of years we would have been in that playoff, aside from the years that we were in the BCS, right? I think mm-hmm. 2010. Uh, that was a one-loss team that was number one at the time when they got upset by a decent Wisconsin team, but they went on to win the rest of their games. That team likely would have been in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, and frankly, a 2006-2007, um, if it were a playoff uh, mix at that time for the BCS, things might have been a little different, right? Because you know, if you take the four teams, for example, in 2007, and you know, maybe LSU is not playing Ohio State in that first in that playoff game, and maybe LSU doesn't win, because frankly that was the worst opponent for Ohio state to have that year in the BCS championship, West Virginia. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other one was. There was a couple of others that I think Ohio state would have completely waxed. <laughs> um, so maybe things turn out different, you know, but yeah, the past 25 years have by and large been pretty darn good. Yeah. That's, I mean, Ohio state's playing, you know, the best football they've ever played, uh, you know, pretty consistently and I think it was just an interesting point you know if, if you're another team like Michigan I mean you have to play you, you have to play at that level and you have to do it consistently like Ohio State if you want to be able to beat them and they haven't been nowhere close and so you know it's it was just an interesting interesting yeah. point but it's a kind of cool to think about it too because Ohio State like you said has played you know some uh amazing seasons and i know you you know from you know probably the 70s and you know even the 80s and such when they when they had more lackluster seasons and yeah i remember them well <laughs> could probably you know have a good comparison from them to now so well my comparison would be basically the earl bruce ohio state teams to Powerball. um with one exception, you know, Bruce was able to be, he had a winning record against Michigan in his tenure. I think he was like, yeah, I think he was five and four uh, against Michigan. 
right? So he beat them more often than he didn't. Uh, and that was the only difference because otherwise, you know, he was called nine and three Earl, yeah. right? Because <laughs> just about every year, with the exception of his first year, when he took Woody Hayes' talent and was within one point of a national championship, um, to his final year where he was like, I think six, four and one, if I can remember, um, in between there, every year was nine to three, except for one when they went 10 to three, <laughs> because they had an extra game. Um, but that's pretty much what Harbaugh does every year. He loses yeah. two to three or four games, you know, um, and very similar many of those years, except for the last couple, the last couple, the talent really was not there at Ohio state. And that's what Cooper had to suffer through in his first couple of years was, you know, Bruce kind of left that covered bare. Um, but many of those years in between, he had really talented players like Chris Carter, you know, and some good quarterbacks, some good running, great running backs, you know, uh, Tim Spencer, Keith Byers, um, great defenders, you know, Chris Spielman, right? I mean, he had a lot of talent on these teams and then would just lose games that he shouldn't lose. Right. You know, he would be competitive, right? He was five and four against Michigan. So he could step up in that big game, whatever that big game might be. Um, but then just, you know, turn around and lose to, uh, you know, a middling Purdue team when he's number one. Right. Um, so it's, it's very similar to Harbaugh with the one exception <laughs> Harbaugh can't seem to beat his rivals. <laughs> Very true. But anyways, uh, I thought you would get a kick out of that article. I thought it was pretty funny. I do. I, I do get a kick out of making fun of Michigan. I, I mean, you remember what I said with Ryan Day. I was skeptical. At the beginning. I'm like, hey, I, this guy's never coached before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they got a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, I think uh, because they have so much talent, He's going to look good his first year, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I still don't know. Frankly, I'm still worried a little bit about the Michigan game. You know, does Ryan Day get that Michigan game like Urban did, like Jim Trestle did, right? Because Michigan's going to be fired up for that game. They're going to be uh, playing with everything they've got. Um, and it's just going to be a different animal than, than what he might be used to. Yeah, he was an assistant coach for a couple of years in that environment, so he's got that. But I'm still a little worried about it. You know, the point I'm really trying to make here is I have every indication right now through eight games in the year to believe Ohio State should pummel the crap out of Michigan, should go into the playoffs, probably should be in the national championship game. But I pulled back those reins a little bit, <laughs> right, because it's college football. Anything can happen, but that's not what a Michigan person does. Any any hint of something favorable, and they want to take it to eleven. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it too. It's probably some jealousy. See, oh, you know how well Ohio State has done, you know, consistently getting over eleven wins, and you know, of course, Michigan beating the mediocre teams. But you know, with Harbaugh's record, they can't beat the big teams, and. I think you know every time they get one one thing, you know, like coach like Gaddis or you know Shea Patterson comes in, they're like, oh my gosh, you know the the football gods have to you know descended upon us type deal. Yeah, and uh, it just continues to backfire on them, and it's fun to watch. <laughs> it's, it's awesome to watch. <laughs> well, in in a kind of uh, you've heard several people say this, but you know, basically the idea is, is you know, it's only a rivalry. If there's back and forth, if it's so lopsided, only one team is winning, it's not a rivalry. Well, I, no, this is still this is still a rivalry. I mean, it's I. There are other teams I, I dislike, but I don't get this amount of enjoyment out of watching <laughs> anybody suffer like I like watching Michigan fans suffer. Yeah. That's uh, oh, it's definitely true. I was actually speaking of that. I was just rewatching that uh, that 2016 game uh, just for the fun of it, and I was watching Barstool Sports, and they had this douche Michigan fan on, and you know after Michigan goes up 17-7, you know he's uh, 
you know, like calling for a blowout. It's like, yeah, we're blowing out, you know, Ohio State or whatever. And then it's just so funny, you know, kind of as the game goes on, especially as they lose in double overtime, you know, to see his reaction. That's so priceless. Oh, I was dying. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that does bring back one of the things I remember about that game is that Michigan really did look dominant for about a quarter and a half. You know, no doubt. I, I, to me, you know, the first quarter was a little bit back and forth. Maybe Michigan's was a little bit better in that first quarter. Second quarter, Michigan was definitely the better team. Halfway through the, you know, the first part of the third quarter, Michigan was definitely the better team, right? Um, but that halfway mark of the third quarter through the fourth, Ohio State did look better, right? But after the game, you know, the way it ended, all I heard was, is, oh, that was, it, you know, Michigan should have won that game. They dominated that whole game. I'm like, I don't know if we were watching the same game. <laughs> Yes, you are right. And for about a quarter and a half, maybe a bit more, Michigan was the better team. But they weren't dominating that whole game. At the very least, that last, you know, you know, half of the third quarter into the fourth, that was Ohio State's game. Um, and they were cranking it up as they went. Yes, they were. Uh, well... We had some uh, good discussion about that topic. Um, yes, we did. Real quickly, I'm just uh, hit on the preview for for this upcoming weekend as we finally get back to Ohio State football and finally you know have a solid month of you know Ohio State's remaining games. Uh, yeah. Probably won't be much of a preview uh, the the next two weeks. I mean, they're playing Maryland. Let's face it, Maryland. It's not good. They're not nearly as good as, as they were last year. They you know they had that those first two games where they put up an unbelievable amount of points, but since then uh, they have done absolutely nothing. I mean, Penn State beat them 59 nothing. Michigan just beat them handily. Didn't really have to do all that much. Yeah. Uh, what does your outlook for this game this weekend? Well, I think the spread's 42 or something like that, um, and I fully expect to cover. The only thing that gives me pause is, um, you know, this is this is the final stretch, and you know, if all goes well, they basically it's five games they have, and those last three in a row are going to be a gauntlet yep. um, with Penn State, Michigan, and then you know Minnesota or Wisconsin again, right? Um, so that's going to be a gauntlet. And so part of me thinks, well, how then do you treat the Maryland game? How do you treat the Rutgers game? Um, you know, one of the things that Day admitted, um, and, and Urban Meyer brought it up in his urban analysis, um, you know, a week or so ago, is against the teams like this, you need to run that quarterback more, right? The teams like uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, you know, that's why Urban always wanted to have a mobile quarterback to keep those teams honest. Um, and, and so sure enough, against Wisconsin, you saw Justin Fields run a bit more and you saw him get hurt. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, if I, if I think about all that, part of me thinks that, you know, they, they may rein that in a bit. Uh, plus at some point you really need to get chugging off, uh, ready to go. Um, you know, cause you go back to 2014, Barrett gets hurt. Uh, you know, I've said it before, Cardell Jones isn't walking through those doors. Um, and is, 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 uh, magical, so to speak, as the season has been, it all comes crumbling down as soon as fields gets hurt. And if Chekhanoff isn't ready to go, uh, all right, it's, it's not going to happen. We will not be, um, we may sputter into the playoffs, and that's a big if, uh, but we, we won't win. Uh, I just don't see that happening with Chuganoff. And so I, I think he's going to have to play him a bit more in those two games to get him ready. And so maybe they don't cover. But all that being said, they will completely annihilate both Maryland and Rutgers. Right. 
I agree with both those uh, assessments. It's interesting, you know, coming off another bye, knowing that they pretty much have two cupcake games ahead before that big gauntlet, you know, is it going to be, is, are they going to come out and play hard for the half, you know, and just try to be up by five touchdowns in the first half that way, you know, they can rest and, you know, just get all the second and third stringers in and get them ready to go. Or are they just going to, you know, kind of lax a days of cold their way through, you know, that first half, maybe be up by, you know, 17 points and then have to play the starters more. And then, you know, finally get, you know, Chris Chuganoff, you know, second string, some rep, full reps in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm honestly not sure, you know, what to expect in terms of, in terms of that going to this game. I, I, I think, uh, I don't think you have to worry about that with Maryland. You know, it's, it's been a bye week. Uh, I think they'll, they will have some pent up aggression. Uh, it's a home game. I, I think they will come out ready to play. Um, and then with Rutgers, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> you, could, <laughs> yeah. you could really just, you know, send the fourth stringers on that trip and hold everybody back, and they're still going to go <laughs> beat the bejeebus out of them. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, but that's just a, a minor thing, especially, you know, we're, we're going to see who, who is all healthy, you know, are, are guys finally going to start to play that have been out most of the season? Or are they just going to pretty much wait until we get to that Penn State game to, you know, play everybody, you know, who's fully healthy? Um, regardless, you know, Maryland doesn't – they still have McFarland, but they haven't had much of a running game. I don't, you know, foresee that being – the case, especially with this defense, I think they'll hold the run game in check, and then they have to they have to pass it. And I just don't see, you know, Maryland having speed on the outside to to beat the corners, even on one and one. Which I'm assuming Ohio State will probably play a little bit more uh, press man like they they have in the past. Uh, I don't for foresee even the passing game being much of an issue. So maybe you know they'll they'll put up seven. And I could see him, you know, getting a garbage time touchdown similar, you know, to, to the Michigan game and and whatnot. But I, at the end of the day, I still think Ohio State will cover. And my score prediction is 63 to 7. 63 to 7. Um, that's, a, that's a good one. I, I, yeah, they won't get any more than more than seven. I mean, they, they put up a big old goose egg against Penn State. They, uh, uh, I think they scored what ten points on Minnesota, uh, seven on Michigan, and Ohio State is the best defense. So I don't think they'll give up more than seven. Um, but that being said, uh, you know they are healthier as a team. They have Josh Jackson back, McFarland, and the other running back are playing pretty well. So. He might be able to muster up a touchdown. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, kind of similar to the prediction for the um, Northwestern, right? You know, I think Justin Fields, you know, he'll have good four touchdown passes. Um, he'll have, he'll probably run for a couple. Um, yeah, Dobbins will have a couple of touchdowns. Teague will have one. Um I think they have, you know, one or both of a special teams and a uh, and or a uh, defensive score, right? Yeah, so I agree with that. So eight. So yeah, so about sixty-three. I think I'm I'm good with that. Um, I'd love to see him pitch a shutout, though. That would be awesome. I don't know. That definitely could do it if they really wanted to. Uh, you know, it depends how how quickly you know the the second and third stringers get in, and you know what their level of play is in that game. Um, but I either way, 
it's definitely a a duo. Well, one of the things I noticed with the Wisconsin game is they were getting some of those third stringers in earlier. You know, as they started to pull away, they didn't wait until midway through the fourth quarter to start putting some of those, uh, at least on the defensive side, I noticed there are a lot of uh, names out there um, that just don't play as much. Um, and they held their own against Wisconsin. So I think you might even see against Maryland and um, Rutgers, you might even see some intermixing. You might see some of those uh, otherwise third stringers come in with the ones on some series. Yeah, that'd be, it'd be cool. It'd be interesting to look out for. Um, I, I'm assuming we'll definitely see a lot of it again over the next two weeks, especially on the defensive line. Uh, probably in the secondary as well. Yeah, uh, and on the offensive line, I think these this yeah, is a good line. opportunity to to build that depth on the offensive line. And I think uh, I think maybe this is where we see them finally handing over the full time punt returning range to Garrett Wilson. Yeah, and that would be kind of cool if he got a uh, a punt return for a touchdown. That'd be awesome. That would be really cool. Uh, they haven't really. Had uh, I mean, besides you know the a couple blocks, they really haven't had any you know huge special team plays. So that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I mean he's had a couple of returns that have been exciting. Uh, but had, yeah, the blocks, yeah. blocks are you know because there have been multiple, right? So yeah. uh, I think the the special teams. Uh, has been pretty strong with the exception of that punt that they got blocked uh, right. against Wisconsin. I mean, otherwise, you know, Hobbiel nailing some of those um, field goals, um, you know, the blocked punts, field goals, some decent returns. Pretty good. Indeed, indeed. Um... Anything else to note before we recap some of the other games? No, I think that's it. I mean, you're you're right. There's not much to really. I, I think there will be a lot more to talk about um, in a couple weeks when oh, when Tennessee sure. comes to town. Um, of course, the only thing I'll say there is Penn State's got a tough road to hoe. Um, yes, they do. Before coming to Ohio State, I think that Minnesota game is going to be tough for them. Uh, basically starts at 11 a.m. And it's cold. It's going to be cold. Uh, Not that Penn State shouldn't be used to that, right? I mean, Happy Valley gets cold, certainly. But just (laughs) up there in Minnesota, uh, they're going to be hyped up for that. I I do think at this point that – I will get to that later, but I – I think it's going to be a big game. Then they have, uh, I think, Indiana the following week. Yeah, who is surprisingly seven and two. Yeah, yeah, is... and frankly, they should be eight and one. I mean, they should have beat Michigan State. They kind of uh, puckered up there at the end of that game and and um, kind of let Michigan State have it. But that's a team that should be eight and one. That's that's really crazy to think about. <laughs> But just the fact that they're seven and two is pretty crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. All uh, right. In terms of uh, the big games, I mean, there was really the biggest one, of course, George, Florida. Yeah. Uh, it, well, so as I was preparing, in um, you know, I had everything like I said ready to go, and I, I couldn't get the RSS feed to work, but I had gone through and edited that uh, last one that we had done, and I was going to post that one, right? Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, um, you know, we obviously talked quite a bit about the Georgia-Florida game. And it was interesting because I'm editing this after Georgia and Florida had played. And I'm thinking, wow, I was way off. <laughs> I, was, I was wrong. Um, I think both of us kind of talked ourselves into the fact that, you know, Florida – uh, was probably the better team and um, probably played a tougher schedule, was probably going to win that game. Um, 
and frankly, I don't, I didn't get to see a lot of it, you know, cause I'm passing back and forth between different games. Um, but the parts I saw, I, I, you know, Georgia didn't look great. I don't think either of those teams looked great, neither but did. neither of them did. Yeah. But I don't think that Georgia was ever really threatened, uh, by Florida in that game. It didn't feel like to me. No, I mean, Florida's offense was pretty non-existent. And one of the things I had mentioned, I you know, Florida, is going to be have to be able to run the ball, and they couldn't run it at all. I mean, they only had 21 total yards, I think, on uh, throughout the whole game, uh, off of you know, off of like the same amount of carries, and so they could not run the ball worth a crap. Uh, you know, Georgia's defense is pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah. for for all the inconsistencies Georgia's been having, I mean, the defense has been pretty consistent all year. Yeah. It's been the it's been the offense that has you know really crapped the bed at times. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the defense played good. The run defense was solid. And, of course, Florida couldn't score. Uh, and, you know, Georgia's offense didn't look that great either. Um, you know, for the most part, Swift was held in check. He had a couple chunk runs here and there. Uh, but I think the big thing was they had the they had really the big plays when they needed them. Uh, you know, especially that one touchdown that put them up two scores in the fourth comes to mind. Uh, they had a few of those throughout the game, and that's really kind of what solidified it because throughout the majority of the game, uh, they seemed that both teams were pretty evenly matched. Uh, the And I think it kind of cemented the fact that both of these teams really aren't that great. <laughs> um, it was kind of a crap fest you know, yes. to, uh, that this game was. Uh I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a crap fest. Um, it's one of, the, well, three reasons why I didn't get to see a lot of the game. Number one, like I said, it was passing back and forth between other games, right? Well, one might say, well, gee, were there really any other big games on at the time? This was the number six versus number 18. Yeah, but those other games didn't have Gary Danielson announcing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, and, yeah. He's terrible. I mean, that guy, I just, I can't, I would rather listen to Herb Street and Fowler over Gary Danielson. And that's saying a lot. Um, and then uh, I think the third reason was is because, yeah, it just wasn't fun to watch. I, neither team really looked all that strong to me. Um, but of course, wouldn't you know it, you know, Georgia is, and I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> They are sitting right outside of the playoffs right now. Oh, yeah. I think they're yeah. sitting at six right now. They're sitting at six, and yeah. it is just a travesty to me. Yeah. You know, why? You know, Oklahoma, you know, their loss was to a six and two Kansas State team, a ranked Kansas State team. Um, Utah's loss. Um, I think was still, I think USC is better than their, their namesake, you know, um, who are the other Oregon in that one, the, the one, the baffling one, right? I mean, it almost leads into this sec love affair contradiction, right? The, the, the part of the, the paradox of this love affair is Auburn, one of their SEC darlings had to come back and win against Oregon. That's their own. That's Oregon's only loss, right? Georgia has a terrible loss, and they're still ahead of Oregon. <laughs> How? How? You know, you can't have it both ways. Either Auburn's good, one of your beloved SEC teams, and they had to come back the very first game of the year against Oregon, that's Oregon's only loss. Uh, or you have to acknowledge Georgia's terrible loss. I mean, you can't have it both ways. They're trying to have the cake and eat it too. Let's put Georgia at number six ahead of Oregon, even though their only loss is to one of our beloved SEC teams many, many moons ago. <laughs> it's just, it's, Crazy. Yeah. Yep, and uh, I mean, uh, if you placed Oregon against Auburn again on a neutral field, I think Oregon would win that game. 
fairly handily this time, and I think I think they would beat Georgia too on a neutral field as well. Uh, at this point in time, uh, but you know, bygones are bygones. Uh, <laughs> in terms of Georgia, uh, I mean, not only are they sitting up there number six, they really do control their own destiny. Uh, even if they lose to Auburn, they won't make the playoffs, but they will still go to the SEC championship game. Yeah. Uh, and so it's pretty much if, if they can win all those games, they'll head into that and head into uh, Atlanta with one loss. And uh, if, if they somehow finally end up beating the West champion, uh, they're most likely in the playoffs. I mean, they're not going to leave a one-loss SEC conference champ out. Yeah, they're, they're not. And in fact, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, I won't get into it too much here because I, I do think Wednesday we're going to come back for an exciting um, episode to talk about the playoff rankings. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. It doesn't come out on Tuesday. Um, but, but think a while on this one. Um Georgia does exactly what you say. Um, LSU um, loses to Bama, right? And Bama, therefore, heads into, they beat Auburn, they head into that SEC championship undefeated, right? LSU does not lose another game. Georgia beats Bama. You have Georgia with one loss. Bama, one loss. LSU with one loss. What's going to happen there? Right? Um, I don't want to talk about it too much now because that is one of the things I want to talk about because I'm just projecting what I think those playoff rankings are going to look like, and I feel like I've got an SEC rant that's going to come then anyway. <laughs> yeah. But between now and then, think about that scenario. And then think about, you know, because in that scenario, you, you might have a, a one-loss Oklahoma team who's won their conference, right? Um, and let's just say Ohio State loses to Penn State, and Penn State goes on to win. Uh, they lose a game, let's say, to Minnesota. They beat Ohio State. They go on to win the conference with one loss. So you get a one-loss Ohio State team, right? You get a one-loss Penn State team who won their conference. You got a one-loss Oklahoma who won their conference, right? Yet you have these three one-loss SEC teams sitting there. That is it going to happen? Probably not, but there's a chance. There's a chance, and that would be uh, uh, that would be quite the mayhem, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it, it, one of the things I have been thinking about, and we'll talk about it more on the playoff episode, is that. Um, this could be a year where it really does put pressure on the playoff expansion. Um, there are a lot of good teams out there. As much as I strongly believe Ohio State is the best team out there this year and should be number one, that being said, there are some good teams out there that, you know, if they have one loss, uh, even though I may disagree, I think they would, generally speaking, have a legitimate gripe saying, you know what? We should have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, and especially if that were to happen that way, I mean, you'd be looking at, what, two undefeated Power Fives and then, what, like five or six one-loss Power Five teams? I mean, that's pretty much your eight teams right there, and that would be that would be quite the, uh, quite the playoff, quite the playoff year. Yeah. If that were to happen. That would be some fun games to watch. Yep. And, you know, if you think about it, too, an 18 playoff, all of them would be in it, more likely than not. In that scenario, just listen, an 18 playoff, all of them would be in, and nobody would have a reason to cry. Yeah. So, yeah. what else? Uh, I, I mean, there really weren't any others. Uh, I mean, Oregon pounded the crap out of USC, which I was a little bit surprised about. Yeah, I was surprised on that one. I got that one wrong as well. I did think, um, and we talked about it too. I remember listening to while I was editing, right? That um, you know, it felt like that if they tr- overlook USC, then they're going to lose. Um, that USC was capable of winning. 
Um, I did pick USC in my pick and to, to cover. I, I did think Oregon would win, but I, I, I thought USC would, was going to keep it close there at home. Uh, but yeah, Oregon, they pounded them like a drum. Dude, and, uh, and especially, you know, Washington or uh, Utah, you know, once Cup uh, comes back and wins, you know, uh, a good game at Washington and pretty much there's really nothing left on either of the two schedules that really should, you know, bug them, or, you know, really should give them a challenge. I mean, Oregon and Utah should go into that Pac-12 championship game with one loss and they'll both be ranked in the top 10. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them wins that game. They have a good shot to, you know, to get yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah, and throw that one into that mix as well. Let's just assume for a second that it's Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. And I say that because of, you know, this idea that that one loss, again, was the very first game of the season to one of the beloved SEC teams, right? Mm-hmm. So you got them sitting out there. You got a one-loss Oklahoma sitting out there, a one-loss Penn State and Ohio State with those three one-loss SEC teams. Notice that I'm conveniently leaving out Clemson because if they lose them, they don't deserve to be in there because <laughs> they're not playing anybody. Yeah. And, and if they stumble any time between now and the end of the year against that ACC competition, then they should fall to the bottom of the uh, one-loss teams, maybe even Georgia. But they probably won't lose. Probably not. Unless, you know, some, something happens in the ACC championship game. But even then, that whole side of the division sucks really bad. Yes, so. <laughs> yes it does. And it was almost, it was funny. I, th- I, I really thought uh, Notre Dame was going to lose for a second. Oh, I was hoping uh, they would lose. They were so close, but hey, they pulled it out. Because I, I must have gone brain dead or something because I actually picked them to, to cover. They were a 17.5 point favorite over... Uh, Virginia Tech yeah. um, and it was at home Virginia Tech's not very good they're not as good as their record suggests um, but yeah home game after that grotesque loss that they had uh, you just thought they would come in motivated and, and cover that spread but when it was very clear in the fourth quarter that they were not going to I was hoping so, <laughs> so hard that they were going to lose so I could <laughs> laugh at them yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been extremely funny. But Notre Dame probably. Well, the funny thing thing is, you know, they they wouldn't deserve it, but they most likely will probably win the the rest of their games. Have two losses, you know, and, and would be in consideration for a, a New Year's Six bowl and. Yeah. Uh, oh, New Year's Six. Yeah. Then yeah. yes. Definitely, they'll be in consideration for that with two losses. Um, you know, brand name alone, we'll, we'll get them into that. Uh, I thought for a second you you, you were going to say that they would be considered for the playoffs. I thought, oh, no. 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 <laughs> that that no, ship has no. sailed. Yeah, that ship sailed. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, they're, well, I mean, I guess Memphis, SMU, I mean, I wasn't too surprised. I thought SMU would win. Uh but I'm not surprised at all that they lost, especially a primetime yeah. game at Memphis. You know, we talked yeah. about it before. A group of five teams, especially, have you know this thing. They play teams on the road. They just have a tough time. Uh, Cincinnati almost lost to ECU for crying out loud. Yeah, on yeah. the road. Yep. Uh, it's just I don't know. Maybe it's just more inferior, you know, type competition. I don't know, but. Well, I think it's the talent, right? I mean, you go on the yeah. road with a Power 5 team, um, you know, highly ranked Power 5 team, you typically have overwhelming talent. You know, when you go look at um, some of these games like Memphis and SMU, you know, their recruiting is about equal, right? Right. They're, they're way low. They're like in the 60s, I think. Now, I'm making this up right now. Just the point is, is they are very low uh, and right close to one another. So they have very similar talent. And, um, you know, this is at best, you know, three-star talent. Uh, taking them on the road, I think, is a lot harder. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And uh, it'll be 
actually, it'll be really interesting just in terms of that outlook to see, you know, which will be the highest group of five team ranked by the end of this, because uh, most likely you're going to have one with one loss. I don't know if there are any left that are undefeated, because Appalachian State lost too. But I think yeah. all of them have one loss now. You know, and is it going to be Boise State? Is it going to be Cincinnati? Um, you know, those are the teams you're looking at. And and then if it is Cincinnati, I mean, you know, who did they play against, especially that one loss? You know, they got their break, breaks beaten off by Ohio State. So are they, would they even give, you know, a Power 5 team a game? So it's just, it's it's interesting. Yeah, well, I think what we've learned is you can't fault anybody for getting their doors blown off by Ohio State because everybody has. Right. Um, yeah. They were at least closer than many of the teams. They were closer than Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, they were. They're about as close as Nebraska was. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I and they've got a tough game too. At the I think they play at Memphis. Yeah, and, I think they do to finish off the year. Yeah, and frankly, right now. If they go to Memphis playing like they played at ECU, they're going to lose that game. Yeah, that's true. But even that group itself, they still got Memphis. Uh, you know, SMU still have one loss, but they still have Navy. Navy only has one loss, right? So yeah, Navy. That's another interesting one that's just kind of setting back there. I think they're finally ranked now. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, yeah, they're kind of lurking behind the shadows. So yeah, I mean, but at this point, I mean, the the good thing is is there aren't any undefeated group of fives anymore, which yeah, I, I'm thankful for because I get sick and tired of hearing it every year. Oh, well, you know, maybe they should be in the playoffs. No. Ah. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's laudable what some of them have done, very laudable what UCF had done, but I'm sorry. You know, if they had played the schedule last year that Ohio State did, they have more than one loss. They really would. Yeah. Um, so that's the good thing. No undefeated group of fives means we don't have to worry about any talk of them uh, thinking about getting into the playoff. They can worry about getting into the Cotton Bowl and you know more power to them. And now we look forward to what is a better week. We have some good matchups coming up that we'll get to preview. Uh, undefeated Penn State, Minnesota. Undefeated Alabama, LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really setting themselves up for prime position to to win the you know the respective conference as well, at least for the SEC and for Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that next episode. Yeah, plus you have the um, you know Iowa Wisconsin. That's a yeah. uh, you know That'll two top twenty five teams and. And yeah, that will be a separation game. Um, you know, both of those are still in contention. They're both two losses in the conference. And so, you know, if Iowa were to somehow surprise uh, Wisconsin, well, you know, they, you know, Iowa still has to play Minnesota. So, you know, it's a big game for them as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a good one. Um, but also, let's not forget, right? I think that next episode is going to come. Right after the uh, they announced the first college football rankings, and so there will be a lot to digest from that. Yes, there will. Because uh, what will be interesting is what are their top four, right? Yeah. And, and how does the how does that top four really mesh with what we believe to be true? And then who do they have sitting on the periphery? And what does that really mean, right? Um, and then you know who does fill out the top 25 um, because as you speculate as to what they might choose for say the top four to the top 10, you know, a lot of their, um, you know, their resumes are built off of what's following them in that top 25 that they put in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can begin to see, well, are they being consistent? Right. Hey, you have team X uh, in the number five spot. 
Uh, but if you look at everywhere behind them, they haven't beaten any of those teams. But, oh, hey, you got this team in the uh, uh, sixth spot, and uh, they've beaten these other two teams that you guys have ranked in the top 25, right? So those are some of the things I'll be looking for when it comes to that. Not just what's in that top four, but did were they consistent? And what they're telling us are, are their top 25. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, and it'll be really interesting too, especially when you get into like three lost teams, uh, you know, especially kind of at the top echelon of the 20 to 25, you know, are they going to put, you know, a team like Texas A&M in, uh, you know, some of these, some of those teams like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I will be looking for that. If I see, or Texas. If you see A&M or Texas showing up in the top 25, it it basically means that they are trying their utmost to keep uh, those SEC teams artificially inflated. Especially if you don't see like an Indiana in there. Yeah. Right. If you don't see Indiana sniffing their top twenty-five, yet you see uh, Texas, Texas A&M in there, you know they're overinflating things. It'll be uh, it'll be a fun one as we finally get the first college football playoff rankings. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's it. I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> 